we do cool shit is just not going to allow you to get up against the agencies that you aspire to be like. What makes it cool shit? How does that move clients' businesses? If you're at all curious what it's like to start an ad agency at the worst possible time, this might be the podcast for you. That's because I started one last year and my God, it is hard. So what I'm doing is I'm talking to people who have found success in our industry and then applying what I learned to my own life and business. If it doesn't work, I'm screwed. Gush update, gush update, gush update. Here we are yet again, my friends, my listeners, my beautiful people, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, pals, whoever you are, I love you. Now, let me just give you a little tidbit inside of Gush's progress. So we have 3.5 clients at this moment right now. One of them is a golf company that is launching this week that we've been working with for a year. So it's exciting that we're finally launching that. And, And really predominantly, this is me and Javier, um, my creative partner. And, you know, we bring in freelancers sometimes, but it's amazing. And I don't mean to sound arrogant, but it's amazing what we've been able to accomplish in like just a year in terms of the work we're actually producing. So this is a golf brand. We did the strategy. We did the branding. We uh, did a shoot, our first like real legit shoot. It was two days. There were four productions that were going simultaneously. One was like an extreme slow motion uh, thing shot on a phantom camera that we shot for a day and a half. And it's just people breaking clubs over their knees, yelling fuck, shanking shots. And if you haven't uh, followed along, this is a, a golf training product company that we positioned as being all about frustration, all about this being the hardest sport in the world and why the fuck do we play it? And we even named the company Why Golf because it's just posing this question, showing this frustration in a fun way to say that why do we do this to ourselves? And it's really just about hitting that great shot. Even one great shot per, per round makes the pain of it all worth it. And we just want to help you hit a couple more of those. And so that's really how we're positioning that. We did the website with a, an agency. Now we're overseeing the performance marketing with another agency um, and trying to translate the crave that we've done to hard-hitting ads that will actually drive sales. On another end, we're working with a smart water bottle company that tracks hydration. We've done the strategy. We've done the branding. We're now moving into creating actual content and ads. But for the first time, we're able to actually design a product. So we're doing product design, and we've interviewed a bunch of people, and we're going to be overseeing creative directing the designing of a product, which is just adding a whole new capability to our capabilities, which is great. And we're going to work with a really great agency and we're really stoked. And then we have another client who is a CBD energy brand. And we position them, we just finished the strategy, we're working on the branding, but we position them all around this idea of conscious energy. It's not a brand for people who are looking to go out and party. It's not a brand for people who are at a dead-end job that just need to chug a five-hour energy in order to stay awake. It's energy that's meant to be put towards the things that matter to you most. And it's based on this insight um, of our core demographic, which is millennials, that 96% of us believe that purpose is an essential 
peace to happiness, yet 75% of us have no purpose. And so we want to help people, you know, have, be conscious about where they put their energy. It's, it's limited. And, you know, if you're putting it towards something that matters to you, we're all about that. And we want to enhance uh, that experience and enhance the energy you're put, able to put into those things. And we're calling it conscious energy. And we're super stoked about that. Um, and then the last thing is we're, we launched this wine called Untippable, and it's a perfect balance between low calories and great taste. And we designed a brand that is all about that perfect balance, striking that perfect balance. And so the labels on the wine bottles are like these oil paintings that have been hacked up. You know, like one is like uh, maybe like eight cows balancing on top of each other. Just crazy shit. And, and we're doing the product photography for them, which we're really excited about. And if you imagine the product photography as, you know, showing the wine bottle in an extreme act of balance, you know, maybe it's a finger, like a single finger on the bottom of a wine bo- bottle, which is tipped over and it's pouring, you know, wine. It's just this insane balancing act. So we're doing a lot of cool stuff. We're really excited. And I think, you know, going through this process of launching brands has made me understand the importance of simplicity. People talk about it all the time. Yet I think that at agencies or if you work on the creative side or any side, things just always get kind of complicated. There's so many different ideas. And I think one of the things that we've fallen into, which is great and is a core belief of, of how we approach these things, is that every brand should be able to be distilled down to a word. So it's like if you're focusing on you know, any piece of communication where, whether that's how we're designing the product or a tweet that we put out or a video that we make or conversion ads, whatever, uh, a website, everything should come from one, one word if possible as a direction. And so with current, which is this, you know, water bottle company that wears fluidity, everything that we're doing, is going to be a fluid looking website, uh, fluid ads, fluid, you know, way of communicating, it's crazy. It's great. Why Golf, which is the golf company, is frustration. This uh, company called Magic Buzz, which is CBD, is all about conscious or purpose. And then that wine company is just balance. And you're just able to take that simple idea and apply it to every single thing you do. And I love that. But in the past, when I've worked on projects you know, at agencies, Ogilvy, whatever, I could never distill down a brand to one word. Maybe it's impossible for bigger clients, but I feel like it always it would have helped uh, in order to simplify things, um, to direct whatever it was that I was doing so that everything felt cohesive and we were uh, continuing to push out a single brand idea in everything we did. Anyways, I mentioned Ogilvy, so that's a good segue into the conversation that we have today, which is all about new business. So this woman uh, named Simone Oppenheimer was, I think, the head or, or a leader in the new business department at Ogilvy, which is where I started. And I saw her a lot, but I never talked to her, not because I didn't want to. It was just you know one of those things where you see somebody around. And I didn't even think that she knew who I was, but I reached out because we're trying to generate new business. And she was like, totally remember you. Let's chat. And her business partner is a woman named uh, Rachel Siegel. And they together started 
uh, consultancy, but really it's a, it's just a, a business. It's an agency in itself called NBZ, and it's like a marketing agency for marketing agencies, which I didn't fully understand heading in. I thought it was just like, here's you know how you get PR, here's how you do this sort of stuff. No, they like actually go through the process that we go through with other clients to help identify what's your unique selling proposition and who are you as a brand and all this sort of stuff. And I think that that's super compelling. I don't see that a lot. And the conversation was incredible. And I got tons of useful tidbits that uh, no matter you know who you are or what company you run, this could be applied to personal branding. This could be applied to you know companies of any size, any industry, whatever. It's just about how do you market yourself and then the tactics that come out of that. So without further ado, I'll stop talking. Let's hop in. Probably the best way to start is like it, so many marketing agencies don't know how to market themselves or don't put time into marketing themselves. And they're like, we're really good at, you know, finding a strategic positioning for you, but then how are you doing it for yourself? So do you have examples of like people that you think have a really good strategic positioning within the marketplace that leads to better new business opportunities? Look, I think that there are historical agencies that um, have kept up with the times and that have grown their brand based upon the people that have started that agency. Um, and so, for example, like Widen doesn't necessarily need a strong positioning because they're Widen, right? They have they have developed their positioning through their work for decades. Um, and that is their brand. Where you need a very strong focus on brand is, to Rachel's point, a lot of these agencies that are popping up, and you need to figure out how you are differentiated right now and why a client should come to you versus another agency. A lot of new agencies, of course, they rely on, for a few years, like their founder story, which is great for themselves and great for culture, but does not answer the question of why clients should come to them and what business problems they solve for them, right? So it's great that your founders that you guys, you know, created, not that you did this or maybe you did, but you know, you know, there's a very cliche story. We were in a bar and like, we started like took a napkin out. We started writing down all these ideas. We took out our phone and wrote in the notes, like what we want to be. And like, and, and that's the story you come to clients with, right? Clients don't care about that. They want to know how that story, how your perspective, how your approach is going to solve their business business issues. Um, and the marketplace is just too crowded right now for a lot of that cutesy stuff, right? It needs to be everything in service of, of client business growth and the challenges that they're up against. When we look at positioning, Rachel and I look at why us, why now, right? Why does your agency matter and why should it matter to clients today? So those two questions are, are key proprietary way that Rachel and I attack our agency's um, positioning. Just to build on what you said, I mean, yes, it's it's important to make sure that the story of the agency evolves kind of, you know, as the agency grows and all of that, you know, kind of founder led stuff is less and less uh, compelling the older the agency gets. But also, I think as you grow and you talked at the top of this call about, you know, gosh, when do we make our first hire? When do we start, you know, expanding the teams? And you want to give your teams a story that they can also tell, you know, passionately and enthusiastically and, and inspire clients with it. Um, that doesn't connect to sort of two individuals and sort of their own personal brands, which is a nice as a starting point and should inform ultimately the bigger narrative for the for the agency, um, the Genesis story. But I think 
we do a lot of work to your point with kind of the, the whole sort of cobbler with no shoes problem is pervasive throughout the industry. And it's the, it's, it's one of the biggest things that we help our clients tackle for sure. Great answer. Um, I'm going to ask if you guys can provide specific examples of maybe where somebody started and where they are now or where somebody is now, but what makes a good positioning? And the reason I'm asking is because it feels like everybody's saying the same thing and just trying to say it in a more interesting, compelling way, but they're really, it's so hard. Like we've struggled so much to find an honest point of differentiation besides we think our work product and our creative is actually better. Um, and we sort of landed at this thing where it's like, we want people to look at the things that we do for you and say, that's cool shit. Cause we all like define, you know, like when, when we look at something, that's like how we describe it. If we think it's great, that is cool shit. So I think yeah. that, and we deal with a lot of, lot of agencies, Tim, that like are starting up now that are falling from the big agency tree, like young spirited, excited, doing things differently we do cool shit is just not going to allow you to get up against the agencies that you aspire to be like, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. What makes it cool shit? How does that move clients' businesses, right? And, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can't, you should not showcase the work that proves your differentiator. It's not that those, that language can work in, an, in isolation. You have to actually show and prove that that, that, that approach and then that um, way of doing things differently and your constellation of talent um, that, that operate through that approach creates work that is differentiating, that creates business um, movement and business growth, right? So it's not just about the words, it's also showcasing how that approach and how that brand, that agency positioning moves into the work. So I'm going to give you one example that, and they're a big agency, but I think that's okay, right? Because, you know, RGA has this wonderful way of talking about transformation at speed, right? Now, they take transformation, and if you look at kind of what their services is, are, they, they, they use that as a red thread. So they talk about, okay, so if we're a transformation at speed, we then offer business transformation, experience transformation, marketing transformation. We look at ventures. So that's one way of, and then they showcase the work through those buckets, right? So the point is that doing cool shit is an agency that doesn't have a brand, right? When an agency has a brand, they can take like through a, a narrative device and in a red thread, what they, what their approach is, how that affects their offerings and how that showcases up in their work, right? So you're creating a brand for your agency versus we just do cool shit because there are 20 agencies every day that say they can do cool shit, that they want to just, they get up in the morning to do cool shit. I think that's, that is um, kind of foundational <laughs> that any new agency should be able to do cool shit, but that's not necessarily going to win them the clients or push or grow their agency right now. I mean, we're, we're definitely struggling with it. So like the, what gush was a year ago was very clear. And that was, you know, this whole idea of funny makes money. And we were the world's first comedy ad agency and we used humor in order to drive results. And there was a bunch of science behind it and like studies behind it and all this sort of stuff. It was, nobody was doing that. Like it was an elevator pitch. I could say right away. The problem was we started to get more brand creating opportunities and, you know, comedy is, is not always right. And so, yes, we've like come into this position where we truly feel like the thing that differentiates us is that, yes, everybody says that they make cool shit, but we actually think our stuff is cool shit. Like we think <laughs> and this, this tired 
it's a tired eye roll of a statement that like nobody believes you say we're amazing storytellers we're disruptives we're you know insanely creative and like i do think you know there's the guts of the world and there are agencies that are are living up to that but for the most part it, it's just if somebody hears that they're instantly turned off because they're it's like it's like buying a big mac and you see an ad for a big mac and it's huge and then you get it and it's small like we think you know maybe we're wrong but we think that like the big mac is still big when you when you see it you know i i mean we're kicking around like we're an actually creative agency. We're like trying to, I don't know, but we're, we're definitely struggling. And like when it comes to showing results that solve their business challenges as a, as a high level creative agency, which I'm sure, you know, there's a, a good way to, to explain this, you know, like the, the challenges that we solve don't pay dividends, you know, with their bottom line, we can't really connect ourselves to that. But what we can do is we can, even though we suck at doing it for ourselves right now, we, we have been pretty good at like doing it for other people. And I think when they see the work, they kind of feel that way. And we're just having a very hard time with ourselves. I think the other thing to, to remember too, is that to even ask sort of like, what, what is the, the agency with the best positioning statement? I mean, the thing that makes it the best is that it's, you know, it's effective in, as someone said, serving as sort of the red thread. So having a positioning statement, there's no sort of co constellation of words or stringing together of words. It's going to really be meaningful to anyone if it doesn't come through and is reinforced consistently then in things like thought leadership or, you know, the, the methodology that you apply to the work to sort of, you know, you could use an, another example would be like, you know, the McCann positions themselves all around sort of the meaningful role. We help brands earn a meaningful role in people's lives. Okay, well, that's just really sort of a statement that could be sort of neither here nor there. It only becomes compelling then and important to a client if you say to them, our positioning informs the way that we approach the work. So we always, we take your client brief and we translate it into a meaningful role. You know, we find the meaningful role nugget in every single sort of, you know, business challenge. And we find a way to, you know, I mean, there's, there's ways that you then sort of reinforce it or have, you know, your sort of key talent talking in the world about why you positioned your entire agency around the idea of finding your meaningful role. So, I mean, you can sort of say anything about your agency, but I think the best positioning statements become sort of the bedrock for internal culture, for external expression, for, you know, the way we frame up our case studies, the way we tell the story about the work that we did, even the way you frame up results. I think if you, if you connect it back constantly and sort of bring it back to your, you know, reason, your sort of your essence, your brand essence for your agency, that's when the positioning statement becomes a powerful tool that I think, you know, clients will, will pay attention to. What if we said, we like to make clients uncomfortable? Is that more interesting? I know we're just hung up on the words, but yeah, I think you're, I think right now we're, we're talking about words where we're talking about the essence of an agency and how it unique, how that you, what that uniquely brings to, to a client. Right. So we can, you know, we can wordsmith things all the time. At the end of the day, it's like, Tim, who do you want to be talking to? Right. And why should they give you the time to do that? And how are you going to be looking at their challenges differently? Yes, of course, at the end of the day, you better do good work, right? You better do cool shit, right? But why should you be in the room more than and what gives you the opportunity or what, what, is you, what is your story that gets you in the room 
and, and has a different perspective and value to the client because they have so many different choices right now, right? Why should Gush be in the room right now? And who do you want to be talking to? What matters to them, right? So if you think about your prospects, what matters to that cohort of prospects right now? And what do you uniquely offer them, right? Because doing cool shit, anyone can say that. That is subjective, right? And, and then at the end of the day, you should be doing great work. But when you're talking about how do I get in the room, right? Isn't that what really we're talking about right now? How do I talk about myself um, publicly? What will make me feel unique and have a unique perspective on things? How can I get a brief, right? And once you get that, you're going to do cool shit. But how do you get there, right? How are you going to grow? How do you start pulling in the clients of the agency that you aspire to have? That's through a clear positioning. That's through a unique perspective. That's through a different view of the world. That's through understanding the client's business and interpreting it in a unique way. That's who you hire as talent. So this is about developing the brand. This is about developing your unique perspective so that you you can get into the room and get those brief. And then you better deliver that cool shit. Yeah, of course. No, and that's that that makes a lot of sense. And sorry to keep harping on this, but this no, is no, uh, no. It's actually very, good for us to, to talk about it too and think about very, it. Very, very, very helpful. Okay, so that makes sense to me. I think you know, with the with the cool shit angle, for us, it's like it was always about you should apply creativity to absolutely everything you do, and like think creatively about a media plan, think creatively about. Uh, so there was like that element of it that we were thinking about. And then there's also, I think the most important thing where it feels like nobody's truly original. Like how do you disrupt in the marketplace? You look different in a, in a more interesting way, but like you are truly different. And every client I think has the same issue where they're like, everybody's the same. We want to be different. And then they end up being the same, but at least they want you know, they think they want to be uncomfortable and they think they want to be different. So this idea that like, we think that when you look at our work, like each idea is something you haven't seen a wine company do before or like whatever. Is there something more interesting about, and I know it's just a word, but it's not the right word. Is there something more interesting about like, you know, it is possible to do something original with every client. And so we have to think every single time we encounter something, we have to think, how is this going to be the first of its kind. Yes. And that's when I think you're, you're stopping using it as a word and you're more thinking of it as a philosophy and a brand, right? So it's not that I think that uncomfortable is wrong. I think it's when, mm-hmm. when you start talking about it as a big idea, right? So if we go back to what we do every day, we think about how we approach our clients. If we said to a client, okay, your big idea is we make people feel uncomfortable or we, you know, we create uncomfortable ideas. You're not necessarily saying that should be your tagline. You're saying that's how you need to operate, right? Like, so how do you operate? I, just to build on that, like, do your internal briefs talk about how does this idea make the client or make their customers feel comfortable? Whatever, whatever that, that idea is. How do we present in a way that feels different and unusual, right? What does that mean in terms of technology? What does that mean in terms of how we hire, right? What is the asset, what is the aspects of a person that we that is right for gush that make you feel uncomfortable, right? So you can then that red thread comes through every way that you behave as an agency. So it's, again, it's not about the words. It's about defining the brand and how you're different. And then you have a point of view in the marketplace. And then you have a point of view at the table. Then you have a point of view of why you should be part of the cohort of agencies that they're talking to. And then you got to do the cool shit, right? But to get you in the room and to get you noticed and to elevate your profile and to start standing out, you need to believe in something truly and not only believe in it, but operate that way. 
just to add to that, you made me think of something when you said, you know, brands are always sort of fighting with this like sea of sameness problem, no matter what category they're in. And I think if you, again, if you're looking at kind of like, we want to be able to present ideas that are maybe the first time that the wine, anyone in the wine category has done X, Y, Z, part of, again, putting it into practice, or I think what Simone's saying too, in terms of like implementing it throughout and and operationalizing a positioning statement, you could imagine a world where part of our methodology is that we always look at, yes, competitive examples and do audits of your direct competitors, but we always include an out of category, you know, example as well that we, we sort of, you know, we can figure out even a, a totally sort of opposite end of the spectrum brand or category to look at and pull cues from that category to ensure that you're doing something, you know, when everybody else is zigging, you're zagging type of thing. And I mean, that is like actually not something that would be totally unique to your process. There are lots of agencies that would do the same thing, but it's part of like marketing and productizing your positioning statement and highlighting that for clients and saying, See this little thing here, this actually reinforces that we like to think outside of the box, think outside of the category and make you uncomfortable in moving your brand forward. Yeah. Yeah. We should change our company name to Zag. That would be (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we, you know, focus on what makes you different, literally do what you say you're super good at uh, for other people, for yourself. And if you can't do it for yourself, you're probably not that good at it it's also what's true to you, right? Like it has to be true to you. If it's not true to you and it has to be part of what's true today and where you want to aspirationally go tomorrow. And you need to find that mix because you can never, never settle, right? You can't ever be like, oh, we always make everyone uncomfortable. It should be also aspirational. Like it's our aspiration to do this as well. All right. Now getting into the practical side of things, you know who you are, (laughs) you got a great agency then what do you do? How do you get pitches? What, you know, what, what do you do then with an agency that's your client? We work with our agency clients across what we call the three C's consider, compete and close consider is sort of everything that concerns itself with all the stuff we've been talking about, like, you know, defining and crystallizing your agency brand, the narrative, making sure that that's pulled through to all of your sales materials. Then there's sort of like, you know, once we understand what our message is, let's amplify it. Let's, you know, identify sort of PPR partners or moments that we can conversations we can be a part of. Um, and then prospecting is another aspect of that as well. And I think uh, always we strive to help our, our agency clients kind of uh, implement a healthy balance of inbound outbound. Um, a lot of the sort of, you know, effort that's generate, you know, around generating inbound interest is use our new powerful positioning and all the ways that we're kind of, you know, bringing it to life internally. And let's think about how we bring it to life through thought leadership and become really, you know, in absence of maybe having the work of a widen, we have a point of view that widen doesn't even really spend time sitting and talking about. So listen to us because we're on the cutting edge. We're on the front lines of creative innovation and what's happening now. So I think there's, there's sort of, you know, making sure that you're elevating your profile in that way. Um, And then really strategic, proactive outreach. And I think, again, now that we've got this strong positioning and this really strong idea about who we are, sort of becomes our tentpole then for, you know, outreach to clients and finding like-minded clients, finding clients that reinforce our sort of vision for growth as an agency. Do we want to, you know, only work with sort of top tier iconic brands? Do we want to focus on, you know creating relationships with some of the visionaries that are, that are going out and, and, you know, starting startups and in bootstrap mode. And how do we kind of think about, you know, again, the growth of our bottom line and our agency as it relates to those two different client archetypes. So we work again a lot with our agency clients to 
have a really, really sharp, specific and tangible key client archetype that you're sort of targeting when it comes to prospecting, not sort of spraying out hundreds of emails with standard kind of, you know, give us 30 minutes to talk about our creds. You know, clients want to partner with agencies that they can trust to get the job done. So show a baseline competency in the areas that you say you can deliver. Um, But also, you know, make sure that you're reaching out with more than just a request for their time. Make sure that you're actually adding value. And it's sort of like a, a, you know, takes a little bit of a cursory look at kind of what challenges that specific business or brand might be facing, but write something custom in there that really, again, relates it back to why it's time for you. It's it's crucial for your brand right now to be uncomfortable and be pushed out of your comfort zone. And let me tell you why. And here's an example of how we've done something like that. Um, and I think, again, you know, realizing that when it comes specifically, I think to the third C close, you know, we're, we're in again, this sort of virtual sort of setting for most pitches right now still, and we are getting less time than we ever did before with clients used to sort of be able to count on a couple of hours. And now sometimes your pitches are being squeezed into 60 minutes. So just make sure that you're really being, you know, sort of highly dynamic and charismatic and only sharing things that are going to tell them something they don't already know, Um, get them inspired and give them a peek into what it would be like to partner with you. And I think doing those things as often as possible will always open up the door for more relationships and and sort of future opportunities if if the timing isn't right at that moment. Proactive outreach can be really effective if if sort of approached in that way. Simone, I want to give you a chance to speak as well, but that was a good answer. I don't know if there's anything you could possibly add. I would just say the value piece is extraordinarily important. Um, The cold email that has no value does not work. And so I would say ensure that if you are spending time trying to prospect. It is about you're, you're making sure you have a small group that you really want as a client that is be- baked in your in your research on why you guys would be great partners. And then what are you giving them that they that you deserve their time for? What are you sharing with them? What research have you done with them? What ideas have you thought about them? How, you, how are you going to strategically make them uncomfortable to Rachel's point, point? And how are you going to utilize 30 minutes for them to feel like they are smarter right after that 30 minutes and they can feel like they're they're uh, better in their next meeting than they were before, right? And then I would say utilize networks, right? So I think, Tim, you're doing a great job doing the first thing that Rachel said in terms of kind of like getting probably like your, yourself out there through content and through these types of engagements and, and just spending time with people and talking to them and then putting that out there. Utilize their networks, right? That the, the warm, the warm contact is the best. The cold is the worst. So, you know, when you're, when you're talking to people and you're interviewing them and you see that, oh, I really want to talk to X brand and somehow Rachel's connected to the CMO of that brand. That is where the magic happens, really going through your network, really utilizing your contacts and providing value at every moment. Okay. Incredible. Uh, guys, this is really, really helpful. I don't think you understand. Um, <laughs> okay. So when you guys are doing this, you're talking about, yes, the, the cold leads and the warm leads and stuff like that. Warm leads are going to be more effective. But then you guys also, like, I think one of the things that we're coming to, and I think one of the things that you know, potentially other smaller agencies are coming up against is like, well, I worked at Ogilvy and I, you know, I worked at Terry and Sydney, I've worked at big and small, but how did they get in the room to pitch? Like, is that something where you like reach out on LinkedIn or like you you hear a, a decision report that like somebody's opening up and you figure out a way to get in the room to pitch? Is pitching even smart anymore? Is that like a dying thing? 
I mean, I think that like how you get in the room for big pitches, there are small pitches. I think there's, you know, we work a lot with our clients on, on growth strategies, right? Like growth plans. And we always think about like Rachel and I always operate with the end in mind. Why? Because from a marketing agency marketing perspective and from Rachel, from a branding perspective, we know that a lot of money can be wasted on shit that doesn't matter if you don't know what your goal is, right? So you could be, if you're, if you have determined what your goal is and the plan to get there, there might be a few big pitches a year where you say, okay, we're going to do two and we're going to knock it out of the park. And we spend a lot of time on that. The rest we're going to be spending on prospecting and more kind of relationship based um, opportunities. Right. So I would just start by saying a plan is very important. And I think that very few agencies, especially new ones do that. Right. Because there is just an appetite to go, go, go and more, more, more without being really strategic about what does success look like? And agencies love to say, hey, Simone and Rachel, we need more business. We need bigger accounts. And agencies love using those words and they haven't defined that, right? So what does more mean? What does bigger mean? What does more famous mean? Um, and def- taking the time to define that in terms of metrics of success so that we know if we're going towards our goal or not, I would say is a key step before we can answer any questions about should we pitch? Should we not pitch? I think also, yeah, I mean, the, you'll find in most of our answers to our questions, like the, a, a key tenant of the NBZ philosophy is that the universe likes specificity and you can't just sort of say like, yeah, cool. Now we know who we are and we want to, we want to pitch. So like, let's go out there and, you know, pitch. Cause like asking for general opportunities to pitch will only, the universe will only then bring you like, you know, pitch in any form is, is not always worth your investment. So it's really about, again, really identifying those key target archetypes and clients, investing all of your energy and across a range of different tactics. Email outreach is only one of many, many things that we sort of deploy with our clients to get in the faces of those specific, you know, targets. And, and you do a lot of the same work that again, you would do for a client is like understanding your key audience. What are their drivers for choice? What are they worried about? Where are they going to be found? Where, where, how can you meet them where they are? Um, and that again is sort of another layer of strategy that we work on, uh, quite a bit with our clients. And, and, you know, you said something earlier, if you can't do it for yourselves, you're probably not very good at it. It's not true. It's actually much harder to sort of look at yourself and, you know, even the best architects can't build their own houses. And, Mm. um, so I think that is the reason why we created NBZ. It's the reason why why we are always so booked and busy. But it's really amazing work because it's you know it's it's allows us to kind of pull out and bottle up that magic and that specialness that frankly already exists. Because when creatives come together and you start creating, that's always magic. And so it's our job to sort of help you see yourself as the world sees you rather than you kind of constantly, you know, inside baseball all day long. So I think, you know, you start to shine a light on those special magical things and clients start to self-identify. It's like, you know, honey to the bee, you just be, you are, it's sort of, if you build it, they will come, you know? (laughs) And I I don't want you guys to give away all your trade secrets. Uh, just whatever you're comfortable with. I'm a big examples guy. So in terms of tactics, what, what are we talking about here? Tactics wise. Kim, you were talking you, in, when we started the call, you said we have three and a half clients, right? So because the, the, the half is potentially not as big as you want it, but you said there's a nice opportunity in a certain category, right? So I would say 
in terms of a growth plan, I would identify that as, let's say we're going to do, we're going to take a hit on two clients that we can do great work with that reinforce who we are as a brand. And that can be famous work, or we can PR that work. And we ensure that we have that agreement with the client because our investment has to then, you know, support our growth. Um, if you do that, do that, you get the pickup, you can talk about it um, with, with clients, you can speak about it with PR opportunities, you can talk about it in the podcast, you can send examples out to clients or potential prospects or, you know, utilize your network and showcase this work. So it's work that really reinforces your objective and your, you know, desire as an agency. And so, so that is an example of uh, how do you get in a room? Because I'm telling you, if you put work out there that you're super proud of and you're super talented and reinforces who you are, like Rachel said, more will come. So I would say that is one example of how to get in the room is doing work, taking potentially a hit on it, but knowing that it's for the future of the agency. Other ways is, you know, again, utilizing networks, talking to people, having a real good understanding of who your prospect is, and then hitting Rachel up because she knows the CMO of X, Y, and Z and giving her the tools to then send an email. Hey, Rachel, if you have any, you know, we spoke, I hope it was a great call. You know, did you take a look at our work? If so, I wrote a little email that might help me connect to that person. Um, so giving people the tools to make it easy. People like connecting. People like doing good in this world. And I think now is a time more than ever where we're as an as a industry, we're supporting each other, right? I, I believe that. I've felt that. Rachel and I, when we've launched MBZ, we, we basically just utilized, you know, our combined 30 years of network, um, industry network to, to launch MBZ. And I think that I, I, we couldn't have done it without the support of the industry. So I think now is a great time to utilize your networks and the goodwill right now of the industry to push um, your brand, your profile forward. Another example of something that we were doing with our clients in the very early sort of COVID days also was, uh, you know, thinking about any pitches that you've already been in and may have lost even, but you know that there's those pitches where, gosh, we had such great chemistry with the client. We were so sure we were going to win it. And it was, and for some reason we came in at second place, but um, you know, we've recently taken another look at ourselves. We've kind of overhauled our methodology and our approach to the work. We'd love a chance to get in front of you one last time. You've already established trust with that client. Maybe you even pitched to them at a time when we were able to shake hands and be in a room together. And so you've made an impression, which is always sort of the, the hardest first thing, um, you are going to provide value around, you know, you know, a little bit about their business. You start to say like, look, you know, we took a cursory look permission to be wrong. We'd love to get, you know, into it more with you, but really reintroducing yourself as a revitalized sort of version of the way that you might have, have presented yourself to them in, you know, in the first place, um, and kind of trying to reignite something there too. I think there's a lot of momentum that sometimes stops when it's like, well, we didn't get that. So whatever, but the relationship could still live on. And if there's something new to share, it's always worth reaching out to, to clients that would fall into that category as well. Amazing. Okay. So I know we're running out of time. The one thing that you guys have brought up numerous times that I know is important, and we have no idea how to do it or where to even start with it is the whole PR thing, you know, getting into ad week, all that sort of stuff. You know, is your strength that you have connections there that you provide clients? Is it possible to do on your own? You know, how would you suggest somebody does that? It's a great question and something that Rachel and I are super passionate about. We believe in the power of PR in our industry, not only relying on PR partners, but also on your own ability to craft thought leadership. And so that partnership 
knowing that uh, there's a partnership in that, right? You can't rely solely on PR people to write everything, to know everything that's in your mind and be able to communicate that on paper. Um, so I think it's a relationship that's important that both parties understand that they um, that that they are significant aspects to the to the success of it, right? They're a specific part of the success of how good they are in PR. So I would say yes. There's a lot of wonderful PR partners out there um, that are in, in the that focus on the industry that we are in, right? Um, that is very important. Not just any PR partner, but someone that understands the trades um, that. Uh, influence our industry and knowing that you are a significant part of making that relationship successful. You can always also, you know, and that takes a financial investment, of course, although uh, they they work with agencies, depending on your style, your size and scale, of course, there'll be different price points, but look, you have the ability to also, also contact these reporters. There is nothing stopping you from emailing or reaching out to these reporters. I've done it on Twitter before. You can do it on LinkedIn. You can do it on email um, and say that you have something to say, right? Let them know who you are. But the only thing I would say is do not contact the, the, them without knowing who you are, right? Or without really believing in what you're saying, because you don't want that to be wasted. You want it to always connect back to your, the brand that you're building, right? So ins- ensuring that brand, knowing what those messages are from the first part of this conversation, and then going to market and going to your PR partners, whether that is a PR agency that's going to rep you or it's going to be reporters, know who you are first, know what your key messages are and know because for 12 months, you want to reinforce the same messages of your brand so that you continuously communicate that in uh, in the industry. Amazing. Well, uh, you guys, we just hit the mark. Um, I can't thank you enough. I know this is an information that normally comes free, but hopefully this becomes a new business lead for you guys down the line. Uh, because I, you know, this clearly you guys are onto something really amazing here. There aren't enough marketing agencies for marketing agencies that I know of. (laughs) That's kind of feels like what you guys are, the more you talk about it. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even consider that, uh, a lot of your process is like figuring out how to position an agency. So that's, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And, uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Tim. See, I told you, great conversation. I hope you guys got as much value out of it as I did. Probably impossible because it got such an insane amount of value. And I'm really excited to try the stuff that um, Simone is recommending and uh, Rachel is recommending. And we'll see what happens. But stay tuned. Uh, and I'll continue to keep you guys updated whenever I get a chance. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. 